You're listening to The Bookstorian Podcast, a podcast for book lovers and bookstagrammers. Hello and welcome to The Bookstorian Podcast. My name is Tegan and I am your host. Before I start the episode today, I wanted to give a shout out to a bookish podcast that I have been enjoying lately, Novel Pairings. Novel Pairings is a show dedicated to making the classics readable, relevant and fun. English teacher hosts Chelsea and Sarah discuss classic books through a modern lens and share recommendations for contemporary reads that feature similar themes. They also share TBR toppling book recommendations, nerdy deep dives into literary genres and friendly advice for getting the most out of your reading lives. I recommend starting with their episodes on Emma by Jane Austen or their backlist recommendations for book clubs and beach reads. For a cosy yet contemporary take on classic literature, subscribe to Novel Pairings on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to the podcast now. On this episode of the Bookstore and Podcast, I have a chat to Courtney from at not.so.well.red. That's at not so well read with full stops in between each of the words. We have a chat about her bookstagram account as well as her booktube and her podcast. Courtney is truly a busy lady with a passion for books. And then we end the podcast with something a little bit different, which I'm going to call a reading challenge roulette, where I pop in a few little uh, prompts from a reading challenge and then we spin the wheel and see what comes up and have a discussion about those books. And just to let you know, there are no spoilers on this episode, so you can enjoy this podcast without thinking that I'm going to ruin a book for you. I hope that you enjoy. Hi, Courtney, and welcome to the Bookstory and Podcast. How are you? I am doing well. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. I think we're in um, contrasting outfits at the moment. It's quite cold here in Australia at the moment. <laughs> and, you're, and you're enjoying summer in America? Yes. Yeah. It is very, very hot and very, very humid here right now. Um, I'm in Arkansas. So it is like, we have just a weird range of seasons. (laughs) Um, But right now we're definitely in like the very middle of summer. Nice. (laughs) I bet you miss it when you hit your winter though. Um, I don't know. I'm more of a cold weather person. Like honestly, I like sweaters. Yes. I like shorts. (laughs) That definitely goes with your bookstagram aesthetic a bit more, I think, too. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Like (laughs) fall all the time. It's fall somewhere (laughs) at all times. So yeah, it's a good strategy. Good strategy. (laughs) Um, Do you find that you read depending on the season? Like, will this influence the next question of what book do you want to read next? Um. I don't know. I go back and forth on that. Um, I definitely love reading more in like the winter, though I do like like reading in a hammock in the spring. But my husband and I actually own a retail shop. So winter for us is holiday season and very, very like crazy. And so you're usually really busy. So I maybe don't read as much as I would like to, even though I feel like I read more in the winter. But I think it just depends on what my life is like. Yeah, fair enough. I definitely more comfortable reading in the winter than summer because yeah. I get really sweaty hands and like yeah. sweaty hands and books just aren't always the best companion. <laughs> yeah, that's why, like I said, like I'm a spring reader. Like nice. I want to read in my hammock when it's like 50 degrees outside, even if I have to put on like a sweater or like have a blanket, like that's when I want to read. So even though it's not your prime season for reading in America at the moment, what book do you want to read next? 
Um, I actually am really excited. Um, I got a copy of The Death of Jane Lawrence by Caitlin Starling in the mail the other day. And this was one of my most anticipated reads of 2021. It is a gothic fantasy horror novel about a woman who kind of gets married out of convenience and her husband is like, the one thing that you can't do is come to my family home. And then she gets stranded on her wedding night. And of course ends up in the, you know, family home, as you can probably assume things start to go wrong. I, this one caught my eye because it has Victorian hands on the cover, which if you follow my bookstagram, you'll see, I have a thing for like weird Victorian hands. Um, and also because they compared it to Crimson Peak in the publisher's description and Crimson Peak is one of my all time favorite movies. But anyway, yeah, that comes out in October 19th, uh, from St. Martin's press. And I'm really excited to have been selected to get an early copy of that one. <laughs> As soon as you started to mention the cover, I recognized the photo that you took of it the other day. Yeah. It was just so simple with your hands in it and then the hands on the actual cover itself as well. That sounds really cool. I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts about it. Um, I want to read The Memory Police Next by Yoko Ogawa. And uh, this is a, a book that one of my mates has loaned me. And essentially it is set um, in, in a time where when people are losing things. So it might be different objects that are disappearing like hats or ribbons or birds or roses um, are the examples that are given on the blurb. And then it suddenly starts to become a little bit more serious. And uh, most of the island's inhabitants are actually quite oblivious to those changes, but there are a few people who seem to like recall the lost objects and they, they start to fear the, the memory police. And, um, yeah, it just it just sounds really like intriguing. It sounds a little bit kind of, I don't know, magical realism in a way, I suppose, or a bit um, speculative fiction. So yeah, I'm keen to, to give it a go. It's quite a short little slim book as well. So it's something that hopefully I can delve into quite quickly um, and read through it and, and soak, soak it in as I go. So I'm That's interesting. That one's been on my TBR for a while. And for some ah. reason in my brain, I was like, that's like a 500 page book. I don't know why. I, know. I just was like the super long like doorstopper. Yeah, no, it's very slim. It's, it's quite oh. slim uh, with like a, a nice cover on the front as well. Yeah. Um, actually, I've got it just behind me. I'll grab it and I'll show you just how thin it actually is. Wow. <laughs> oh yeah. That's like totally doable. I am less scared of that now. I don't think I've ever seen like a physical copy. I've just yeah. always seen it online. So I just assumed that it was very long, but I don't know why I made that assumption. Yeah. Who knows? Super slim, 274 pages. Um, yeah. And a cool kind of collage cover on the front as yeah. well. Yeah. Exciting. So, yeah, looking forward to reading that one next. So one of the reasons why you are on my podcast today, Courtney, is you also have a bookstagram account. And it's one of the bookstagram accounts that I've definitely been drooling over um, in the last few months because you just have this like iconic 
like green couch that features every <laughs> now and again. Um, and I've also seen it on your booktube as well. And when I see your images, they're just instantly like calming and relaxing and they're so aesthetically pleasing and there's warm cups of tea and coffee and um, sometimes like a little baked good. And yeah, it's, it's really lovely. So I'm, I'm really keen to talk to you a little bit more about your bookstagram. So other than what I've probably said, how would you yourself describe your feed? Well, first off, thank you. And a shout out to the Victorian Camelback Sofa. (laughs) Um, She definitely is the MVP of the Bookstagram account. (laughs) Um, So my aesthetic just kind of depends on my mood. It is a mix between like a darker cottage core with a little bit of dark academia and then into more of the Victorian Edwardian aesthetics. Uh, My home is very eclectic and my husband and I are both art and antique collectors and so a lot of the like little things that I use to like style photos are just little knickknacks from around my house things that I've found over the years the furniture and the fixtures are obviously like that's what my house looks like so It's just, yeah, it kind of depends on, I try to keep a balance of the kind of aesthetics that I find my followers tend to engage with because I do have a variety of followers um, and that like different kinds of content. So I don't want to lean too hard into one aesthetic. So I try to try to keep a balance. Uh, I also have uh, worked for a while as a photo stylist. And so that's kind of where a lot of my inspiration comes from is just that experience and my love for photography and styling. So I, yeah, I don't know what else to say about it. That's it. I think that wraps it up really nicely as well. And it's good to know that you already have a lot of these, um, want of a better word, props in your home. It's not necessarily something that you're going out and buying just to take a photo for Bookstagram. You're actually have these things around you. So I think that's a really nice sustainable way to approach your account as well. Oh yeah. Definitely things that I, I have a lot of things and I'm probably an over collector. (laughs) Uh, So definitely things that I'm just like, Oh, I haven't featured this before. Like as I'm recording this, my husband bought me a antique cast iron circus cart for our anniversary that's at the front of my desk and recently I've been like how can I put the circus cart in a photo yeah awesome that's that's really cool I'll um be on the lookout for it yeah (laughs) so I guess that kind of I mean it feeds into my next question a little bit in in terms of how do you actually create an aesthetic for your Instagram feed yeah like I said it's a lot of balance and just trying to capture both the mood that I'm in and also the like state of my home and different there, there are definitely areas in my house that I gravitate more towards. Uh, I take everything, pretty much everything in, in my home. And I actually have this like really tiny cookie cutter craftsman home that is like nothing special, but uh, you can sometimes be fooled into thinking that I live in this like Victorian mansion. I don't at all. I wish I did. I would love to one day. I want to live in a haunted house so badly. Um, But so it's just kind of finding those corners that have really nice lighting, which there's not very many. I actually only have like five windows in my house. 
And so you typically you'll see like my kitchen corner that's got a really nice window or my living room corner that's got a really nice window or like my studio corner that's got a nice window uh, and trying to keep those areas balanced. I also have a lot of different like boxes and surfaces and textiles that I'll use to like I'll intersperse uh, within the photos so that there is kind of a rhythm and you're not seeing the same backdrop all the time, but everything feels connected. Recently, I just put up, which my followers will know, or if you check out my account after this, I just put up this like green and gold snake wallpaper. And that's been kind of a feature that I've been trying to like sprinkle in every like nine or 10 posts so that you can like follow the snake wallpaper throughout the account. I actually just posted one a couple days ago with the, the wallpaper. So, yeah. And I think that really feeds into an aesthetic is having a few key places that you actually do use to take your images and photos is a really good backdrop or space to get started. So I suppose if there are, and if there are people who are listening and want to sort of create an aesthetic, that would probably be a good piece of advice to give them is find a few sort of cornerstone places within your home um, or within your local area that you could actually take photos from. So you also have a booktube, Courtney. How does your Instagram page complement what you do on booktube? Well, right now I'm on a little bit of a summer break because I'm traveling a lot this summer and I decided podcasters get to take season breaks. Why don't booktubers get to take season breaks? So I decided to take a season break because it's my channel and I can do what I want, I guess. Um, so right now, uh, when I'm not in, you know, kind of a lapse of content, my book tube generally, or sorry, my bookstagram is typically kind of a sneak peek at whatever topic I'm going to be discussing on booktube. And so if I have a video where I talk about like five books, I tend to try and, you know, have a photo that same day that also talks about those five books and gives kind of a very brief overview of what the video content is so that I can then link to the video itself. Um, my, my booktube is definitely way, uh, my booktube is definitely, you know, focused solely on, on books and book recommendations, book reviews, things like that. Whereas my Instagram tends to kind of hover between book, specifically book content and aesthetic content. I know I do have a lot of followers who come to my page more for the aesthetic content than they do the book content, but I also have a lot of content or followers that come just for the book content. And I personally started the page for the book content. However, I'm not a very fast reader and I, you know, we own a shop and so I'm, I'm really busy. And so I don't, I'm not like in a position where I can be reading enough to be posting new thoughts every single day. And so that's why I try to sprinkle in some like life moments, some aesthetic content, because it takes the pressure off of me to feel like I always have to have something to say about a book every day when a lot of the times the reality is, is I haven't picked up that book in three days and I'll finish it. I promise. But it might take me a little longer than, you know, what my Instagram page really like gives off. I think sometimes that can be quite challenging because it can kind of feel like there's a bit of a competitive nature sometimes behind um, bookstagram and having to like plow through books every time you want to post. 
and mm-hmm. um, and I think things like like Goodreads and yearly uh, yearly goals and all that sort of thing can uh, feed into it a little bit as well. Uh, but it's good that you're really real about it, especially over on your booktube, and by acknowledging the fact that like yeah, it, it takes me a while to read a book. So um, yeah that's that's some good advice for people as well is that you don't just necessarily have to post about the books that you're that you're reading on a bookstagram account you can also be posing bookish questions or connecting it to some other kind of content that you're creating as well and i think um like reels are especially um an interesting space to be watching because they're not necessarily just about a book review or taking a book photo there's they've opened up a whole nother I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes I think can of worms because it's not something that I'm necessarily on Instagram for. Um, but yeah, it feels like you kind of have to lean into it. Otherwise you get left behind. Yeah. Uh, Reels are something that I struggle with a lot. Mm. And there are some, there are some like forms of content, like listicles make really easy reels. Mm. Sometimes I'm simply too lazy to just make that format. I'm like, I'm already producing this content in like four different ways and I don't want to do another one. And sometimes I just get lazy, but yeah, the, the accounts that have figured out the reels thing, I'm like, or even, I guess that would be like book talk. If you figured out book talk, like I envy you, I, maybe it's my age showing, but I just (laughs) don't get it. Yeah. And I think it actually takes a lot harder to create a reel, even a really simple one, it can take so much longer than snapping a photo. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, and that you kind of feel a little bit more like you have to add that bit of variety. So whether it, like you might have to change your outfit or you might have to change oh, my microphone, you might have to change your, like, there's just so many things that seem to factor in to making a reel. And yeah, I've sim- I certainly haven't mastered it either. <laughs> You have a little free library. So to change our topic of conversation just a little bit, can you tell me about your little free library? Yeah. So I actually, well, I say I, my dad actually built it for me last summer. So summer 2020 out of the leftover supplies from the chicken coop that he built my mother. And so I'd always wanted one. They have popped up around town. There's none in like my neighborhood or anywhere close to my neighborhood. And I've always like been fascinated with this like idea of like giving people free books. And so I obviously have a lot of books, A, because i love buying books, like probably most of the people listening to this podcast. Um, And I also do get, you know, books from publishers for my bookstagram account. I also get books from publishers for the bookstore that my husband and I own. So we, um, I just am like overflowing with books at all times. I used to be somebody who didn't give up books because I didn't like selling them. I didn't like just like taking them to Goodwill or whatever. And so I decided that I just couldn't live with hordes of books anymore. Like you have to be able to navigate around my house in a semi uh, easy fashion. And so we built the little library. It's in a little flower pot that's got some flowers at the bottom and I put a bunch of books in it and it took like a couple weeks for people to start I guess, taking books out of it. And I was really creepy for the first couple of weeks because anytime anybody would stop it, like stick my head out the window and like watch to see if they would take anything. And they get really sad when they like just kept walking. So I was a little like personally offended there for a couple of weeks or it was like, nobody has good taste or I have bad taste or something's not adding up. But actually now um, a lot of people interact with it. Um, I check it pretty much every day. I've gotten a couple books out of it 
myself, which is exciting because I was like doing this so that my neighborhood could have books, but people are putting books in it now. So I like got a couple ones that I hadn't heard of, which, um, and they also started to get some children's books as well, which I don't have kids. So I didn't have any children's books to donate, but uh, I'm excited to see that, that happening as well. I'm actually getting to the point where I maybe need a, a bigger library now. And does your mom also need a new chicken coop? Because you could also team it up. She gets an upgrade yeah. of the chicken coop and you get an upgrade of the library. <laughs> yeah, I think this time I'd be on my own in the building of the library. <laughs> like an extension of another story on top of it. Yeah. <laughs> and you also have a podcast as well. Tell me about that. Yeah, so um, my husband and I own a book club subscription box and a retail shop. And we are actually like really in the process of, we're like in the process of a rebrand right now. So we're getting like a whole new name and everything. So I'm not going to spoil that secret yet. Um, but part of that is we have a staff book club podcast. It's called This Must Be the Book. And you can find us on pretty much any streaming service. But it's basically every month we choose a book and then our staff gets together. We talk about the book, what we liked about it, what we didn't like about it. And then we also give recommendations based off of the book. So if you liked it, you might enjoy this as well. And a little reason for the recommendation. We also just give kind of updates on what we're currently reading ourselves. And recently, last season, for some reason, we started playing a game where one of us just reads off like classic or well-known books and the other two people have to guess what year they were published. I don't know why we started that, but it ended up being maybe not fun for listeners, but fun for us. So we kept it in anyway. Um, but yeah, it's uh, This Must Be the Book and you can find us on pretty much any streaming service. Cool. I think it's, um, I think it's really good that it's all like interlinked with what you do. And I mean, the, is it the, the whole basis of content creating is create what you want to create? And, um, and that's really special. Well done. Courtney, because you and I haven't got too many books in common, according to our bookstagram, I thought it would be fun today to import some prompts from a reading challenge into a random generator, which you can also see at the moment. And we're going to talk through a few prompts based on what comes up. So it's all completely random and we will then respond to the prompts with either a book we have read or a book that is on our TBR. So are you ready to get started? Yeah, excited. Excellent. All right, let's spin the wheel. Oh, it's taking a while longer than I thought, but there's obviously a few prompts in there. It's slowing down. And the first prompt is a genre hybrid. Excellent. Would you like to go first? Yes. Okay, so I am going to recommend Sorrowland by Rivers Solomon, which came out earlier this year, 2021. Um, it is one of the wildest books that I've read this year and probably pretty close to my favorite, if not my favorite of the year so far. Um, it takes place, it's about a young girl who escapes a religious cult 
It is a black religious cult and she is pregnant at the time and she gives birth to two children in the woods and decides that she's going to raise them in the woods away from society to protect them. But when she's doing this, she actually starts like slowly transforming into a monster. And so it's a mixture of gothic, fantasy, literary fiction, horror. It's just, it's so hard to put in a box, which is also what the whole book is about. Um, And then like tackles themes of what it means to like be a monster, it's just, it's just wild. Like I'm trying to like do a little like snippet about it, but you just need to look it up because it's fantastic. So that is Rivers or that is Sorrowland by Rivers Solomon. It definitely sounds like a real genre hybrid <laughs> of a book. <laughs> Uh, mine is These Violent Delights by Chloe Gong. Um, and I actually did a podcast on this book in season two. So if you are interested in that one, um, you can definitely go back and give that one a bit more of a listen. Um, but essentially it is set in Shanghai and is a transformation of uh, Romeo and Juliet, uh, but set in like 1920s Shanghai. Um, there was the, it's, it's also that blend of historical, but also a blend of fantasy. Um, and I think I was a bit shocked by the fantasy similar to yourself, Courtney, cause I believe this is also a book that you have read. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's, I think it nails certain things, but then there's other things that fell a little bit flat for me, but it definitely suits a genre hybrid. Yeah. That was one of those where that cliffhanger though, I was like, come on, really? Yes. And do you think you're going to read the next book of that one? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a lot for me to abandon a series. And it was like, I'm with you. It wasn't one of my absolute favorites, but I enjoyed it enough that I'm excited to, you know, see where it goes. Yeah, that's good. I'll, I might let you read it and then I'll watch what you think about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ready for our next, for our next prompt? Yeah. All right. Let's spin the wheel again. Okay, again, still a long pause there (laughs) as we wait for the wheel uh, that looks like it's going to stop on a book whose title starts with Q, X or Z. Um, I'll go first this time if you like. Um, Yeah, sounds good. I was kind of, I don't know, the, the book that I wrote down for this prompt, I'm not sure about. And I wasn't sure. I'm like, oh, I hope this one doesn't come up because I don't know how much I want to talk about this book. But the the title is Queenie by Candace Carter-Williams. And I initially like was really into the story and into the character. Um, but I also, I just found her as a character so incredibly self-destructive that it was difficult to keep reading through. Um, and I even did this one as a bit of a blend of an audio book and a blend of um, a library loan that I had as well. Probably something I would have, I, if I had my time over again, I might not have finished. Um, but yeah, but I'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, that's hilarious because the book that I also chose for this one is Queenie. <laughs> <laughs> How funny that we're doing this because I didn't think we had too many books in common <laughs> and we've already mentioned a few that we've both read. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I had a different experience with Queenie. Um, I will say it does my least favorite thing in books, which is where it formats texts as like text. And that really bothers me. 
but I really enjoyed Queenie. I have a like thing for coming of age, like twenties, like coming of age in your twenties novels. And I liked the mental health or mental health representation in that one. And like the idea of like taking care of yourself and like getting the help that you need and that not being like a failure on your behalf. Um, I read that for book club for my friend book club and I enjoyed it. Uh, and definitely one that I recommend pretty frequently to, to people who, who want more like adult coming of age novels. But yeah, I also chose Queenie by Candace Gardy Williams. I guess cause it's a, it's a difficult prompt because so many books start with the something, mm-hmm. something or a something, something like it's quite difficult <laughs> to find a book that doesn't start um with the t or an a even yeah (laughs) (laughs) but i definitely agree with what you're saying about queenie being that coming of age novel in your 20s um and i certainly i like the idea that um it kind of delves into the whole like stigma of her not getting help Mm -hmm. but then that that turnaround when she actually did um get help for for her mental illness or for her i guess like her um, traumas or experiences in the past and how that was influencing her decisions um, as a woman in her 20s. So certainly. All right, ready for the yeah, next let's one? Do it. Okay. Is there one that you want to come up? Um, I don't know. I spent a long time making my list, so I'm pretty fond of everything on here. <laughs> There's a couple that I'm like, eh, I'm less excited about that, but. <laughs> All right, let's see. Ooh. Okay. A book by a vlogger, blogger, YouTube creator, or other online personality. This one was a hard one for me. Um, yeah. I actually chose Fangs by Sarah Anderson, which is just a like very, very small graphic novel by Sarah Anderson, who's a comic artist. And it is about a like mysterious vampire that falls in love with like this like adorable little werewolf. And it's mostly just like snippets of their life. There's not like a, a like a storyline. It's more just these this collection of drawings. And it's got the like the cover is iconic. It's red with like the vampire with like this her wing costume. And it's uh it's just a really nice artifact that I like and Sarah Anderson's known for her Instagram comics. So, yeah. Excellent. I've never heard of her before. So I definitely will need to have a look and and check out her illustrations. Um, Mine is Am I Doing This Right by Tanya Hennessy. So Tanya Hennessy here in Australia is a – she's certainly – a like a tv personality but she's also um on radio and she has her own youtube creator channel and she does like a variety of different things that kind of resonate to me as someone who's in my late 20s um very rapidly turning 30 this year (laughs) and she just creates really relatable things she's a drama teacher by trade um which so am i so i think i i just really resonate with her humor and this story is Uh, basically a a bunch of little anecdotes that she tells using the alphabet. She, it basically the, she has this, a bunch of little anecdotes throughout it. So anecdotes about different jobs she's done within the theater industry, um, being a radio personality and, um, and how that impacted her mental health. Uh, We have a, 
um, a, a day here in Australia, which sort, which uh, is called Are You Okay Day? And it's basically about uh, going and approaching other people and checking in that they're okay and also helping them to assist and get the help that they need. And she's a really big advocate uh, for Are You Okay Day as well. And she speaks quite rawly about that in her book as well. So that was Am I Doing This Right by Tanya Hennessy. And um, it's a good, it's a good read. That sounds fantastic. I am all here for an Are You Okay Day. I need somebody to ask me that like every day. (laughs) I know the answer would rapidly change, wouldn't it? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Are you keen to keep going? Yeah. Excellent. Let's spin the wheel. All righty. Here we go. Okay. This one's a really interesting prompt. A book with something broken on the cover. Ooh, I'm going to start that one. What I wrote down. (laughs) Just check my notes. Mine's probably a little bit generic for this one here, and I don't even own the copy of this one that has it on the title. Uh, But Big Little Lies by Leanne Moriarty. Um, And there's like a broken lollipop on uh, one of the book covers. And this is a great little like thriller, suburban housewife kind of thriller reads. Um, Reese Witherspoon's also produced it into a series as well, which um, has like a cast of, of uh, very like, I think very like strong and diverse women um, mm-hmm. a cast throughout the series itself. But it's a great it's a great thriller. And if you're someone who potentially hasn't read a thriller genre before, um, this would be, this would be a good safe one to start with, I would think. So that would, that's my response for that one there of a book with something broken on the cover. I need to look up the, that cover because the U S version of the cover does not have anything broken. I don't believe. No, that's interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay, the one that I chose was the Hell's Library series by A.J. Hackwith, which I guess paper can be broken. I mean, it's like torn paper, so I went with it. It's fine. Uh, But it is a trilogy. The third one comes out here in a couple months. I'm so excited. It's one of my favorite series to come out over the last couple of years, but it is literally about Hell's Library. And so the idea is that if an author doesn't finish a book or if an idea isn't fully formed, the book kind of gets banished to this library that exists outside of time. So the books will be there sometimes in their, while their authors are living or before their author, author is even born. But the characters in the book, because they're unfinished, they're all this unfinished potential um they sometimes escape from their pages and so it's up to the librarian to like keep everything contained and keep this potential contained until either the author dies or the book is finished or or whatever and so it centers around claire the librarian and a bunch of different characters and there's a battle between like heaven and hell and it's just a wild fantasy adventure that has one of the most lovable casts ever and they're all just so lovably flawed and there's a character called hero who is just oh i just want to take care of him (laughs) but yeah um so that's the hell's library series by aj hackwith i not a huge fantasy reader but hearing you talk about the book and seeing the expression on your face as you're talking about this book i'm like oh maybe i should actually look into this one and and see um because it sounds like it's a premise that's pretty easy to grasp as well yeah it's it's definitely not like high fantasy and it's, it's not magical. 
honestly. It's it's more like if you've ever read um, anything by Aaron Morgenstern or anything in that realm, it's, it's very much not magical realism, but just, I don't know, suspended belief, I guess. Nice. Which, yeah, that's, that's definitely something I could buy into for sure. All right, let's do one more. Are you ready? Sounds good. Okay, the wheel is spinning and hopefully it's not the same one we've just done. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, I again hit continue instead of remove name. Okay, let's see how we're going. All right. Okay, interesting. A book featuring three generations. Oh, it's my turn to start on this one. Yes. Okay, so the book that I'm going to recommend has way more than three generations. It <laughs> is These Ghosts Are Family by Maisie Card. It is a novel it, that reads more like a collection of interconnected short stories. And so it follows this Jamaican and Jamaican-American family and kind of the ghosts and traumas of their past. All. um and so each story kind of centers around a different member of the family or somebody who has interacted with this family. But the medium and the way that they're told depends on the story that's being told. So it, it is very much, you know, kind of to the title, it is very much almost like the ghost of these members, like telling their own story. It's really beautiful. Um, there are lots of trigger warnings on that one. So if you are interested, I do encourage you to kind of read those before you, before you start. Um, but it came out last year and is just incredible. So, um, it's these ghosts are family by Maisie card. Cool. Thank you for sharing that one. And also for acknowledging that there are a few uh, or that there are potentially a few triggers in there for people as well. I think that's something that I definitely need to be more conscious about when I'm recommending a book to someone is, is saying, oh, look, there are a few trigger warnings. And I really like that um, story graph. I don't know if you've, you, you've come across that or you something similar, but I really like how that um, I guess like that reading, um, what is the word I'm searching for? It's not like, I really like that this particular site itself and a way of tracking mm -hmm. your reading, uh, when you get to that review stage also encourages you to add trigger warnings to it as well. I think that can, that's a really good way of making me more aware of, of what I'm reading and, and how, uh, what I'm reading or recommending to other people to be a bit more conscious about, um, what could be potentially triggering for people. Uh, mine is The Eighth Life by Nino Haratishkabili. Oh, I really hope I haven't butchered that name. Um, it is set in uh, Georgia, which is not the American Georgia, but um, the Georgia that borders Russia. And it is essentially set during the time of of quite a bit of turmoil in Georgia itself. And it was a huge book. So in contrast to the memory police that we spoke about earlier in the episode, the eighth life is an absolute monster of a book, but it has so many um, generational stories within it and how the, I guess it, it really explores how um, not only like world events and revolutionary events around us impact our lives, but also the 
the scars and traumas that our, our parents or our grandparents have lived by, um, how that also can amplify in our own lives and, um, and to, I guess, be a little bit more appreciative for that and for um, your upbringing as well. And it has a, a cursed hot chocolate recipe that goes throughout the book as well. So it kind of, um, it's bad news for the characters when they discover the recipe and, and actually drink this amazingly rich and um, delicate, dec- decadent is the word I'm looking for, a hot chocolate so that was what I gravitated towards in the book. And I was not prepared for how long it was or how big it was when I got it. <laughs> I am here for a cursed hot chocolate recipe though. Mm. Yeah. And it like, it makes me want to drink it, but then you're like, I can't. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the recipe's not in the book either. So oh, dang. <laughs> thank you so much for joining me on the book story and podcast today, Courtney. It's been really great chatting to you. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. And, uh, nice to meet you over zoom from 15 hours away. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and how many thousand kilometers. Do you, <laughs> you have been listening to the book story and podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, wherever you listen and follow me on Instagram at the book story and podcast. <laughs>